We Speak English Good has expanded to WSEG-TV. That's right. You can find us on Twitch every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join us as we interview guests, we do live loops, and sometimes we have in-studio performances. Tune in at twitch.tv slash we speak English good. Also, go check out our sponsor, modedstudios.com. M-O-D-E-D-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. Moded Studios has all your favorite patches and apparel. Go check them out. Some of the hottest sellers are the Wu-Tang patches. Get a Wu-Tang patch that represents your country, your sports team, or just your favorite design. ModedStudios.com. Now on with the show. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Moroni Silva. Moroni is the basically the brainchild behind A Dead Desire. He has such an interesting story. This is kind of a shorter one today, which is not what I say a lot, but this is a shorter podcast. Uh, Moroni had a, some stuff to do and we had some technical issues, so we got a late start on this one. So it's a little shorter, but we do get to the meat we get to the crux we get to the crux of the cracker i've heard that before i don't get what that means what's what's the crux of a cracker like what's the crux of the of the cracker i don't know oh is that like a, a nutcracker hmm anyways moron Moroni will be coming up here shortly. Also, please go to adeaddesire.com and go check out his website and his music. His music is pretty rad. It's heavier. It's rock. And uh, I love his voice. He has great control. Like when you watch him sing, you can just see the years of singing and control that he has. So uh, I I dig this dude and we have a great conversation. But first, go check out reinamystique.com. R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Com. Go check it out. She has a her latest single out is called Stew, and uh, it's a fantastic little reggae number. Uh, <laughs> a fantastic little ring-a-ding-ding. Oh, see, now it fell apart really quickly there. Go check it out. Go check out Raider Mystique's uh, website, and she also streams on Twitch three days a week, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And on Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, go check it out. Get yourself some random mystique. You can also find We Speak English Good on Twitch as well. We are streaming two days a week, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Fridays 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Come through and be a part of the conversation. If you like this show and you like the content of this show, you will love the stream. You get to be a part of the show. You get to be a part of the conversation. You get to direct the conversation. You also get way more cool stuff over on Twitch. We got 
we got we got i'm not I'm, we got music streams we got we're gonna be bringing those back in february by the way that whole corona thing that swept through this house uh put us back a month or so but we'll be back we're gonna do it again uh we do uh live loops we got cypher deluxe where we have uh, our community members display their talents we got a lot going on over on twitch so please do come through hit that follow button and subscribe it'll cost you a few dollars but just trust me i mean it's going to a good place every bit of money i get goes right back into making this podcast and stream better so please go so show some support of the show and come through and say hi in the chat it's pretty fun actually we're having a good time over there um what do we got oh so today on stream so on twitch today at 3 p.m eastern standard time we have uh, Matt Swartz, Orchestereo, Big Chili Chill, and Geico Music. Now, Geico Music, you guys don't know, but Big Chili Chill, Matt Suarez, and Orchestereo, those are all, should be familiar names. They, like, Orchestereo and Big Chili Chill just came out, like, a couple weeks ago or something. I don't know. Time is slipping into the future. Uh, yeah, so... They're going to be on tomorrow. We're going to have an all-star meeting of the minds. So that is live, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Geico Music, he has his own podcast coming out here shortly. Uh, that'll be on the podcast feed. So be on the lookout for that. He's a music streamer out of Israel. So excited to have that. We're going to have a bunch of people on stream. It's going to be wild. It's going to be It's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. I'm telling you, January is filling up with some awesome shows on Twitch. So please go to twitch.tv slash we speak English good and follow and subscribe today. <laughs> you guys can also go and like, subscribe, and review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, the, the Twitter, the, the Discord. The I, I even think I'm on TikTok. And <laughs> I don't do anything on TikTok. I was like, piss on TikTok. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Follow us up. I'm like burping and stuff, so excuse me. I, I'm still full from lunch. Uh, God, I'm breathing heavily. Like I don't know if you guys can hear, but I'm like really struggling to for breath here. It's it's uh it's annoying actually. <laughs> it's it's actually pretty annoying. Anyways, uh, we're gonna keep marching forward. You can subscribe to us on apple itunes you can subscribe uh follow us on spotify or anywhere you get your podcast and also you can subscribe on youtube which has our music tutorials it has uh, all the video from the the podcast that you hear on this stream so you can go over there and check it out or excuse me on this podcast feed this is not a stream very different <laughs> it's weird how the lingo and technology is just it's all changing it's all crazy i don't know it's it's nuts it's nuts man <laughs> i was just telling my therapist on how <laughs> how overwhelming the stream has sort of not overwhelming but uh, how how unexpected how much unexpected communication that was gonna come due to the stream you know, when you guys are listening here, I only hear from you guys every once in a while. You guys will send me an email and say hi, but but like on the stream, it's you guys are there all the time. That's why I just highly suggest come to the stream. It's fun. It's good times. Uh, yeah, so you can subscribe to us on YouTube and on Twitch, which again will cost you a couple dollars, but it goes and supports this show right here. You can also 
review. Now, leave us a review on Apple iTunes or anywhere you can leave a review. It is so helpful for us to be found. And uh, if you if you want a free way to support this show, that is one of the best ways you can do a free way. Free. free. <laughs> we could do a free way. <laughs> Call your mom. We're going to get a free way on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, please do, uh, do go and leave a review it's helpful you can also share this podcast or talk about the podcast i'm actually uh my friend hate the human race who is on twitch he is a streamer he's actually streaming right this second and he is playing my podcast with wake the beast on in the background if you ever wanted to do that please feel free if you have a stream you can use this podcast as a uh, talking point or you can uh, just listen to it like wake the uh, hate the human race he's just chilling and listening to me and wake the beast chat so please do incorporate that into your streams or whatever please it's fine it's open for everyone open season on the podcast you can even make me sound like i'm saying like something weird (laughs) like like I believe that aliens gave me rectal herpes. I mean that's that's a sound bite of its own right there. So <laughs> All right. That's enough out of me. I am actually getting tired of hearing my own voice in the podcast my headphones because I've been hanging out with Hate the Human Race. I'm hearing my voice there. Now I'm hearing my voice directly in my headphones. So I think this is a good time to go over and check out my friend Moroni Silver of A Dead Desire. Everybody, put your hands together and give him some love. such an interesting bio that like when you sent me your bio and i was asking you for like maybe a um a uh, uh you know an epk or something and you sent me your website i was just like oh my god we got too much to talk about because we, <laughs> we share a lot of similarities in 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 um I don't know. I mean, we just share similarities in addiction and 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 uh how probably how we view music in the music industry so i'd love to just get right into it man so tell me man, uh what you're where are you from again now where where are you from where were you brought up um i was brought up uh i was born in logan utah i was, I was raised in bear lake idaho oh okay small small valley bear lake idaho it's uh the bottom like southern the southeastern part of idaho the very bottom if you look at the map, the bottom right corner of Idaho. Okay, okay. You now, uh, did you have music in your? Is there a lineage of music in your family at all? Do you come from a family of music? Yeah, my my grandfather, uh, he's uh, from Mexico. He used to play the upright bass. He used to sing and and play the guitar and played a lot of instruments. And my mother, um, she's always sang. And my my grandfather on on my mom's side also plays the piano and guitar and sings as well and uh i didn't really get into it until uh middle school really like eighth grade was when i really started to well i I got a guitar i didn't really take it seriously until after high school (laughs) what now okay so so you just were strumming around in your bedroom and and just uh what what were you listening to what were you uh listening to at that time uh, I wasn't really allowed to listen to 
music until I was about 12 or 13. What are you saying? You weren't allowed to listen to music, like, period? My, my, like, I didn't have, I wasn't able to select the music that I was, my parents were very strict, really hardcore LDS family, and uh, I uh, grew up listening to what they listened to, which wasn't bad. It was actually really good music. Like, uh, my father used to listen to Bob Seger, Foreigner, um... REO Speedwagon, Yellow, um, like America. My mom used to listen to Sticks, The Carpenters, ABBA, um, Journey, The Carpenters. It goes on. So there's, it's there's legit. A- it's, it's legit music. It wasn't like they had you on some LDS type. And for anybody who doesn't know LDS, it's Latter Day Saints or Mormons. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, Mormons. the the Mormons. <laughs> the Mormons. Uh, and which I gotta say, I've I've played uh, I played Salt Lake City and Ogden a few times uh, as a musician, and very lovely people. Very very lovely people. I have really? nothing <laughs> nothing, ag- nothing against the Mormons, but I do hear that it gets a little weird. Uh, it's a, gets a little funny, and I'm not trying to make fun of anybody's religion oh, here, but like the hardcore Mormon family that don't listen to any mainstream music. It's like you go to one of their family get-togethers, like I'll put on some music, and then they put it on, and it's like you are my sunshine. <laughs> sunshine it's like oh gosh like yeah it's just it's it's actually it hurts my stomach (laughs) oh yeah totally man no i get it i get it um there's no soul in that like let's just be modest and not experience like emotions (laughs) (laughs) let's everybody stay modest here we're not feeling anything okay everybody calm down there's no feelings going on here Feeling sadness, you better suppress that. We're happy. We are happy children. <laughs> well, you know, there's on the terms of music, I can I could feel that because with Catholicism, I'm a cat. Well, I, I'm not really much of a Catholic, but uh, I, I was brought up Catholic, and and the, you know, the music that's associated with the church there is very, you know. And it's not very. Like, I played with um, with um, a Baptist band, you know, and and I've always said if I was ever going to be attracted to a, another religion or another sect of of a Christianity, it would be Baptist. But it had to yeah. be like the Black Baptist Church. Yeah, jam out. They yeah, jam exactly, out. exactly. Because you could feel it. It's, it's you could f- you can feel the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Like they they channel the Holy Spirit through through their soulful soulful tunes. <laughs> And uh, I can feel it. I just feel it. But but so like going back into your your childhood and stuff. How was your high school experience? What was your? Were you a popular kid? Did you play a lot of sports? Were you? Oh, I actually got bullied quite a bit. I was an overweight, um, introverted kid. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I I grew up in a small town in like St. Charles, Idaho. It's Bear Lake, Idaho. It's the population's like, man, I don't want to over or under exaggerate whatever you want to call it. It's like 400. Oh. It's like small. It's like everybody knows everybody. And uh, I, I didn't like a like I was saying, I didn't get to listen to my own music until I was like 12 or 13. Where my brother, my oldest brother, was working for my grandfather in Smithfield, Utah, and I went to stay with him for a month out of the summer. And it, while he was working there, he had bought some CDs from Sam Goody and 
I was uh, we were kicking it one night, and he puts on Corn uh, Follow the Leader. Oh, nice! And that whole album, I was just I was just blown away by it. So, and then Incubus, he put on um, the the album with the Pardon Me song on it. Yeah, Pardon Me. Yeah, I was like, man, this is freaking awesome. So I started exploring all the 90s rock type music, and I just I fell in love with that whole that whole vibe, like the Deftones, um, Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails, Corn, Tool, A Perfect Circle. Um, there's, I mean, and it goes outside of that too. There's I'm like, sure. brand, there's like brand new. Um, there was uh, the receiving end of sirens. There was so, so many bands to list that were like really had a big part, but I guess like my main influence was Nine Inch Nails. Like after, a while, I, I started listening to Nine Inch Nails quite a bit, and I was blown away by how he did all the instrumentation and everything, and wrote, wrote all the songs and everything. So, I thought yeah. it was pretty. Awesome. Yeah, Trent Reznor is fucking—he's the man. Um, oh, yeah. How did your parents receive like when you started listening to other music? Where, was it something that was? was they hated it. it. <laughs> <laughs> they like they heard corn, and they were like. Turn that garbage off. Yeah. Feel feelings. Get those feelings out of here. <laughs> this is a happy house. <laughs> so, so then we're, we're I mean, they hated it to a point that they were trying to keep you from it, or or did they eventually accept it and be like accepted it they were just like you know they're gonna do what they're gonna do yeah but uh, well, that's good they still tried to like you know fight like, like you shouldn't be listening to that it's poison or whatever you know and it's like well <laughs> never mind. i don't think i said anything some of the music they used to listen to is poison to me but 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 isn't it funny how like anything that talks about questioning authority always seems to have people like especially religious sex uh oh, up yeah. in arms <laughs> Because right. you know that music, there's a lot of music. That all those bands that you that you're talking about, a lot, a lot of those bands are questioning norms. They're questioning, you know, uh, questioning the man, questioning authority. Right. And so, and so, like it, it always seems so funny how how like religions and and even political sex and uh, like how they will they'll demonize any kind of music that sort of talks about uh, you know not just following and complying really oh, yeah. it's really really interesting type cult inf uh cult behavior but you know whatever it, it different strokes for different folks and if people find happiness in in lds or catholicism or being a republican well goddamn go and be yourself you know but yeah yeah but but what's interesting is that people get so locked up in the momentum of their uh, of their teachings or or their beliefs or their ideologies that they start you know they start demonizing and 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 pushing people out of their life and and make you know like setting this very stringent path for themselves that I feel like is can be kind of I don't know detrimental to the <laughs> to the psyche well, but it works for them in their own way it's like well you know you know even archangel michael didn't want to um, rebuke satan he didn't even want to do accusations against them because if you the accuser is satan so he said let god rebuke me so it's like you turn it around on and be like well you're <laughs> telling me that you know you're telling me that i have to be a certain way that's taking away my free agency which is actually of the devil <laughs> <laughs> well which, so do you still be more like oh 
<laughs> you know, I've tried doing kind of stuff like that with my, my uncle, who's a very he he was a minister and, and staunch Republican. Which again, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, whatever. It's just that he's very just he's just a very pompous and pious man. You know what I mean? He yeah. and uh, you know you try to speak that kind of thing to them, and then they have like twenty other things that back that up. So it's just to, to back up their argument that they're they're. I was kind of forced into going to church and stuff, and I yeah, fell away from it when I was like 13. And then when I was older, I, I, uh, I, I'm not religious. I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. I've gone to ayahuasca ceremonies. I've done peyote ceremonies with the Lakota. I've done uh, research on like the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindi scriptures. The, the I mean, I, I've, I've done my research, and I've read. I believe it or not, I've actually read the bible <laughs> wait a second, now did you read the mormon bible or the like king james yeah, bible King james bible like the old testament the the new testament mm-hmm. and uh everything in it is is like i'm glad that i that i was able to to learn it and stuff and whenever anybody comes at me with any particular topic like with, with regards to spirituality like uh let me think of one well, I, I I I don't want to be too controversial, you oh, know. It's okay. <laughs> that, that's, we for, seem for, to find controversy wherever we go here. So go for, ahead, please. For example, like, oh man, um, this I, I don't have anything against like homosexuals or any or anything by any means. If you if you if you swing that way, it's totally fine. I don't have. I'm not gonna be like, oh, you you shouldn't be doing that because. Right. You know, whatever. But from my understanding and from my research and everything, because I've, I've researched it, I, I just, I personally don't feel like, I've, I mean, I, I've thought about it. I'm, I'm totally straight. Uh, I'm like, I've thought about this. Okay. And where's I, this going, baby? Where's this going? I love it. Whenever I come out and people are like, well, here's my problem with, with the Bible and, and, and where it's talk about homosexuality and all this, and it's like, well, first of all, it doesn't say, you know, like, uh, it doesn't rag on homosexuality at all. The only thing it says is in a few places in Leviticus, it says, uh, you know, for a man to lay with a man as he lays with a, a woman is abomination in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. And it's because we have the seed, which is the creation of life. So w- when you... Take that. That's in one of the first four books of the Bible, which is considered like the Torah. Um, you go into after that. You go into it's either in Samuel or in one of the book of Kings. There it talks about David. You know King David, mm-hmm. right? When it introduces this person, it's like really, it, like it, it introduces him as a feminine man of like a fair countenance. It's not like. He was a man of great stature and broad, and and you know it, when when you read the scriptures, it actually pumps people up. Like and then there was Goliath, who was a man of great stature, and it explains it. Then it explains David. He's like, here's a feminine, petite man of a fair countenance. He had feminine traits, basically, you know. And he when he beats Goliath, he, he comes into Saul's favor, the king, who has a son named Jonathan, and Jonathan and David love each other. Oh. And I'm like reading into this, and I'm like, I'm getting a weird vibe from this. Like, is anybody, is anybody else reading this? And being like, David and Jonathan are a little close. Like, <laughs> to the point where one day at dinner table, 
King Saul grabs a javelin and throws it at, at David to try to kill him. <laughs> like during dinner, because he he sees this and he says, "Oh, sorry." An ang- uh, uh, he says something like, "An angry spirit of the Lord came onto me," or something like that. When I saw that, he said something like that. Anyway, my point is, a little bit later on, there's a spot in there where it's like. One day, Jonathan is shooting his bow and arrow in the field, and he tells his archer boy that he's with, go run to the house and get me my quiver of bow and arrows, whatever. And it says, like, when you read the scriptures, there's like a little, there's like a little P, like a little sub-paragraph part of that chapter. It says, like, when he was gone, David arose from his hiding place. And so when you say hiding place, it means he's hiding there. Like, they're meeting in secret yeah. at that spot. And I was like, I got this weird vibe. I'm like, something's happening here. <laughs> it's like, you're <laughs> reading this. And it's like, David approaches Jonathan and he falls on his knees and he says, you know, and he begs for forgiveness from God. And it's like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then he says something to the effect of, though God be between my seed and thy seed, I will always love thee, or something like that. And. It's weird because it says they fall on each other and kiss. And normally in in the scriptures, when they say like, you know, they you know when he kissed her on the brow or kissed on the cheek or like, you know, it's very specific. But they they just kiss. It's like whoa, that's kind of weird. So the whole point of this thing that I'm getting at is is we're all born with masculine and feminine qualities. The purpose of this life that it talks about, not only the Bhagavad Gita, but in the Bible is that we need to balance our masculine and our feminine energies. So David, realizing this, like, hey, man, I, I love you, but you're a dude, and we both have the seed. And in Leviticus, because I'm a studied, learned person, it says for a man to lay with a man is abomination in the sight of God. And so he says, I'll always love you, you know, but we can't do this. So he kisses him and says, you know, we're going to go our separate ways or whatever. After that, because David balances his his feminine and his homosexual tendencies, he balances that. He gives birth to literally the greatest king that has ever lived, which is King Solomon, the soul of man. Like the, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. There's, and, and there's a lot of stuff to back this. Like if you read like the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna is talking about the genders and how there's only three, which is male, female, and neuter, the people that neutral, neuter, he says neuter, but it's mm-hmm. like, People that have both, like hermaphrodites. Mm-hmm. There's only those three. There's no way. I'm not, I'm not trying to like get like so I'm saying it's a very controversial topic. Yeah. I'm just going off of all the research that I've done and what I what I've felt through the spirit. Because I've, I've, I've with all the um, ceremonies that I've done, I've asked for the power of, of discernment and to be able to discern the truth based off of the feeling of the spirit. You know, being guided by that feeling or whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's gotten me pretty far so far. I've actually had to ostracize quite a few people because I was like, man, that's that mode of behavior that what you do is not right. <laughs> you know, like, no, for sure, man. No, that's an important part. That's an important part. I think that people miss a lot is, you know, is, is, it's keeping keep and then you got these people that i'm hanging out with that are yeah. like Dude, I, I i was stealing this from walmart and i and i had this i walked out with that 42 inch tv it was like wait a minute from walmart what it's like guilty by association like uh, I, was, I drove you to walmart <laughs> wait i took you to walmart that day what the fudge dude i thought you bought that tv nope 
Well, that's why I told you to step on it. Drive away like, quickly. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you better drive. That's why I said drive. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 there's a great point there. Is that you know you if you're trying to be better, if you're trying to better yourself, you gotta take a you gotta take an assessment of the people you surround yourself with, because oh, those are the people. Because if those people aren't lifting you up, if you if there's not a a, a uh, mutual benefit to being friends with each other and and I'm not saying that you should be expecting things from your friends but I'm saying if they're if they're not mutually beneficial spiritually in in, in that way I, I think it's time to cut that shit out because one of the other things it's not just the stealing thing but like people that don't respect your point of view so like after my first ayahuasca ceremony when I come back and I was talking to people it's like dude I realize that these addictions that I have are killing me that the way that I'm living, it's not right. And then they're like, oh, that's just, you know, that's just, uh, they're trying to brainwash you. Yeah. And I'm just, like ragging on what I'm telling them sincerely. Like, dude, I just had this mind-blowing, profound experience, and you're like ragging on that and right. telling me it's a brainwash thing and I shouldn't look too far into it. And it's like, what are your intentions? And then I start realizing that the only time they would really hit me up is because they needed a ride or they wanted they they wanted uh, back when I used to drink I used to I used to bring a thirty pack wherever I went because I was an alcoholic so I always had alcohol so yeah. anybody would like hit me up hey you know come hang out and and it would it, I realized that when I stopped like feeding into that negative energy of those the people that were just using me and taking advantage of me it just kind of I they never I never got any more texts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, and and that's a great that's a great. Uh, I mean, yeah, exactly. It, it's when you have a especially with addiction and stuff. It's like, man, you really got to take a real assessment of who you're surrounding with your, yourself with. Then and and when when I when I first started this part of the talk, we're you know we're talking about just if you want to be a better person in general. Uh, you know, outside of religion or anything, if you just want to better yourself, the one of the first things you want to do is take an assessment of how you are and then who you are surrounding yourself with. Um, I really like Jordan Peterson. Have you ever read anything by Jordan Peterson? Um, is he the is he the guy who talks about like the Illuminati? <laughs> no, um, no, no. He he's a he's a clinical psychiatrist, and he's he's gotten some uh, fame in the past couple of years because he wrote a book called uh, 12 Steps to Something." God, I'm so terrible. Anyways, he talks a lot about um, just self improvement, but in, in like a really in in a realistic manner. That's not. Because you, when you hear people talk about self improvement, you know it's like you got to do this and you got to do that, and you're on your way to success, you know. And it's like very, uh, it's just very uh, a commercial, just very mm. hoity, -toy, not hoity toy, just very um, ridiculous, you know. It's just it's it's yeah. it's just like go on, be a better person, and be positive. Is yeah, Jordan. Yes, thank you, uh, Amelia Ray. Music. I appreciate. Hey, Amelia, welcome, welcome. Thank you for jumping. Thank you very much. Yeah, Jordan Peterson. He talks about um, the. I think one of the first chapters, or one of the chapters, is called "Clean Your Room," and it's basically he's talking about like like literally cleaning your room, but then metaphorically cleaning your room by sort of taking an assessment of what you what what you're doing in your life how you want to better yourself, and then taking a look at the people you surround yourself with. Now, when you're talking about addiction, that's a whole nother thing. Well, it's the, it falls in the same category, I think, but it's also very, uh, I feel like it's a different, um, it's, 
it's the same category, but it's on it's just very higher stakes, right? Because if you're trying to quit something like heroin or alcohol and you're hanging out with your friends and all they're doing is drinking and shooting dope, then how what's your chances of getting out of that circle without falling oh, yeah. back into your same old patterns? Company. So like when you're around them and you're trying to quit and they're like, Oh man, you can you know, how about just one last time? They're just, you know, if, they, if you're stopping, you can at least do it one more time. You know, and then, like, that one more time, if you were, like, dead set on it and you end up doing it, then you just go right back into that same cycle. And those people love to just keep you there. Yeah, they yeah. The Misery loves company. Um, yeah, yeah. I would love to. I would love to sort of – so when did you start messing around with drugs and alcohol then? When did that start coming into your life? Oh, like, middle school. Oh, like, shit. Yeah, like, probably, like – Around uh, 12, 13-ish. Wow. What, really what did you start with? Uh, weed and mushrooms. <laughs> weed and mushrooms. Mushrooms are so... Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 wait, wait, no, because... I, well, I, I started similar. I, I think I smoked my first, like, joint. Joint, I'm doing quotes, because I was, like, 10. <laughs> I was like 10 years old. And I think about it. It's like I have I have nieces and nephews who are 10 and 12, you know, and like I'm just thinking about like, holy shit. Like I can't even imagine them doing the things I was doing because at 10 years old, I was getting drunk. I was at, our parents had to work a lot. So me and my sister had a free reign to sort of do whatever we wanted for a certain amount of time. Which is no children should ever have free reign to do whatever they want all the time. So, you know, my parents didn't know. This was the 80s. They, fucking, they, were, they were just trying to get shit together. But uh, 80s and 90s, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, man. It, it, I had that same similar thing going on where I started really early. And, and then so how, how did that correlate with your music? How did that work with your music? Because I know for me... It fucking hindered everything I was trying to do until I cut off alcohol and narcotics. So I'm just curious, what was your sort of musical journey in relationship relationship with your 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 addiction? Well, it really helped me get to like feeling the music and starting to think like, oh, that's what I want to do. Is when I like was using the <clears throat> psilocybin mushrooms with. Uh, I was listening to Nine Inch Nails. Which, like, uh, which album? Or all of them? Uh, Halo, uh, Halo 16, The Things Falling Apart, with a, the one that has the Leaving Hope song on it. Is that? The very last song's called Leaving Hope on it, and it's, like, it's such an amazing freaking album. What? And I was feeling it. I, I like had the volume tuned up, and I could literally just feel everything. Like It made my heart. It was the weirdest thing. It was like... I was I like I've cried, but like at that time it felt like my heart had gotten so big that it was just like was just gushing, like just crying. Like just my heart. It was like, whoa, like I could feel it throughout my entire body and I was like, Man, that's that's extremely powerful stuff. And then I remember um playing the guitar and on the the same thing and I came up with this little solo that like just kind of took over <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh like this is what i want to do i want to be able to feel that like i want to be able to write something that makes me feel the way that i did when i listened to that and i want to make other people feel the way that i feel through that mm. <laughs> hey man no i but but that's 
Yeah, well, that's the great thing about like psychedelics. I, I guess I guess psychedelics, and when you're talking about psychedelics and you're talking about narcotics, you're talking about two different drugs completely. It's oh. the, it's not because it, because uh, I had that similar thing too, man. I, I, where I took LSD at a young age, at the age of fourteen, and I was a very scared religious young boy, and I remember yeah. taking LSD and being like, oh. That's all bullshit. And then as I get older, and it even turned into a, a hatred, not a hatred, but an anger and a disdain for religion, which in my older years, I've let go of that completely because, again, different strokes for different folks. Well, and who am I to fucking say anything? I got into the opiates because of uh, my freshman year in high school. Your freshman I, year in high school. I got I got uh, into a, on my birthday, freshman year in high school, May 22nd, I got in a, a serious car accident uh, going 90 miles an hour through Immigration Canyon going from uh, Idaho to Logan, Utah. And uh, I ended up I ended up being hospitalized for a month and a half on, like, I had a huge list of injuries. Um, and I, because of that, I started, that's where I got addicted to the opiates. Mm -hmm. And so I had a 13-year opiate dependency, and I didn't, I didn't, uh, the last year of that was to heroin, because by the, that time, uh, by the 12th year, I had ran out of insurance, and I uh, couldn't afford it. It was 300, my $5 or $8 bottle with taxes, it was, it was eight bucks for 30 oxycodone tens. And then uh, it went from that, like basically eight dollars of thirty of those, to three hundred and fifty-two dollars without insurance. And I was like, "Whoa! Like I can't afford that." Yeah, heroin's much cheaper. Yeah, I started I started having withdrawals and stuff, and my buddy's like, "Man, you do not look good. You should try smoking some of this." And to smoke some, I was like, "Man, you should let me have some of that." And a week, <laughs> later, a week later, I went back to him and I was like, "Can I get some more of that opium or whatever you said that we were smoking?" And he's like, "Oh, the cheese." I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, the the black, the heroin. And I was like, oh, well, I guess, yeah. Yeah, that shit, give that. I, I feel better when I smoke that, so let me have that. Yeah, <laughs> so that's basically where it went from there. Is a, so so it started yeah. from um, it started from a an accident. Yeah. That is such a common thing. I'm in Ohio right now, and Ohio is still dealing, is still reeling from the opi uh, opiate uh, epidemic. And uh, I mean, my father was was really heavily addicted to OxyContin, but that was because of a car accident. And uh, and that's sort of where I fell into it, too, is because I was stealing his drugs because I was a little degenerate. And I was just like, fuck it, let's go eat some pills and fucking party. And, and it was fun uh, for a while. But two months later, after they after they are like, well, you don't need these anymore. You're all healed up like seven or eight months later. I was like, uh, yeah. But I still need those. <laughs> Back before they were like, "Oh, addiction's a thing with pain pills." Yeah. You know, that was back like two thousand and two thousand and one or two thousand and two mm. was forever ago. And so, like, for for them to be like, "Oh, you don't need these anymore," and then I was like, "Oh, well." My friend, I know that his mom has something for her back, and then so I'd go over to the my friend's place, and then I'd be like, then I'd feel terrible. I was like, man, I don't, I shouldn't be stealing. Then I'd. I had, so I ended up hurting myself. I ended up like breaking, I like my hand, like <laughs> on purpose, so like breaking purpose, so I could go and get those for a few months and just 
have them prescribed to me and what well and then how old were you at this time when you're starting to really be like oh my god i need to get these to the point i gotta break myself it was like freshman year in high school god damn that's really like young 14 man. or 15 <sighs> that's very very young i mean especially to be physically dependent I mean, again, that story is like a lot of people I know and a lot of people who suffer from opiate addiction is that they hurt their back or they got in a car accident. And these are just normal, everyday people who are just like, you know, I, was, I just slipped and fell on a banana peel and now I'm shooting dope. You know, like it's, yeah. it, it's, I know, I know it's a fucking, I know it's a ridiculous thing to think about, but I mean, you, when you, when you lay it out like that, where it's like, okay, you have to deal, you have to take these pills because you are in extreme pain for months on end. And then it's like, okay, well, you're healed. You're better. Now let's, let's get you off those drugs. And then it's like, well, no, my body still needs those drugs. So yeah, how can like, oh, Addiction's a choice. I mean, you, you people, I've seen that on Facebook so many different times. Like, oh, well, no, you can stop. Anybody can stop. It's a choice. They, they put themselves there. And it's like, actually, it's not that simple. Dude, some people have in their genetics, like if, if if someone in their in their family line has been addicted before and they happen to have that and then even though they may have never done any substance throughout their life and they happen to need that then all of a sudden it's like man I actually need that they find themselves to be an addict and it's like I didn't have a choice it's like I, I took those because I was in a car accident and I was in excruciating pain I had 16 fractures yeah. so like <laughs> you know like yeah. it's kind of like well that's that was your bad yeah. <laughs> you know and then, you should have felt pain and not took those opioids. That was a choice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, you know, in that that's and I mean it, it sucks because these are doctors who are prescribing these things and and you know people who who you know did get an accident who don't know anything about hard drugs are just like the doctor it came from the doctor and the doctor says this and the doctor says that. Meanwhile, the doctor is just the drug dealer, you know, I mean, he's the one peddling the drugs. And then when it's time to take the drugs away, you know, it's there's no real easy solution for that. And I mean, now it's getting better because there's different drugs, different programs that people can kind of go through, especially after an injury. You know, these are good ideas for people to go and seek treatment because it, it's not an easy thing to get away from. And even during my dad's time, which was back in like mid 2000s. Uh, you know, there was no like, no one even was talking about it really. No one even was talking about like the addiction from medically prescribed pills f that were prescribed originally for a medical reason. No one was really talking about that in the, in the mid 2000s, you know, like it was still just sort of this like, well, he's a drug addict, go fuck yourself, you know, and yeah. my dad, on the other hand, no one was like, he's a drug addict, he really needed pain pills. And I mean, he was in horrible, horrible pain from his accident, but still he developed this this uh this need and, and this addiction and, and like he turned very very nasty if he didn't have his pills you know if he didn't have his his four o'clock cocktail of, of oxycontin and codeine and all the whole thing you know like it was it was a bad afternoon for everybody so it, it, it's it, i'm glad that it's getting more attention these days but i i definitely think that there's still some stigma behind it that makes a lot of people not want to talk about it, and that's Really what I appreciate about you is that I think that's one of the first things that you read in your bio is like, I was on heroin and then I went and did ayahuasca. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I, I love I mean, it. Very clear. I'm an advocate to try to get rid of that stigma because it's, it's not it's not like that with everything. Like there's different point of view. Everybody has a story. It's not like, oh, yeah, he's just 
He was just born a heroin addict piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Right. right. This shit's developed over time. And bio, yeah, I, I wanted that to be like, hey, this is, I want you to know right now, a dead desire means that the desire to use heroin and opiates is completely dead. Yeah. That, I, I, I stress that very, <laughs> very much. So then how was, what was, how was your music career after high school then? What were you doing? What was, uh, what were you I mean, and and I, and during this time, you're you're still kind of have this monkey on your back with the drugs and stuff. But what were you doing with uh, with music and such? You know, after high school, when you start to become sort of your own person. Well, I got out of uh, high school and uh, I kind of partied for like a year. I just wanted to, to take a break, and then after that, I got accepted to uh, the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Tempe, Arizona. Oh, nice. And- I went there and I studied audio engineering and I graduated as a certified audio engineer. Um, but I took like music business class, um, live stage technique, like, like miking, um, studio recording, just everything in general, everything that has to do with, with the entertainment industry. Like they taught post-production for movies. They taught video games. They taught literally everything. Um, and I kind of got shafted on my internship when I got back from there. I, I moved to Salt Lake, and the place that had set up my internship, I had already signed my lease, and I had settled in, and I was getting ready to go in on Monday, and I called to get directions on where to go. And the woman's like, oh, I thought they told you, but uh, the owner's son had a friend who he gave the internship to. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. Okay, um, well, I guess I'm in Salt Lake City now. <laughs> Yeah, and there's no other recording studio that's accepting an internship. That's great. You could have told me that. That way I could have moved to, like, Nashville or Seattle or Portland or some other place with a recording studio. <laughs> you know, I was, I was so kind of pissed off about it. Then I got a uh, an internship at a theater, a movie theater, that did um, old-school reel-to-reel film, so I was able to do post-production internship with the Spicy film together and being an usher bee and learning how to do the whole brad pitt thing from fight club <laughs> hell yeah man but that that shit's cool though i mean i i love that that old school i mean even though it's kind of um it's kind of a that the splicing film thing is kind of a thing of the past these days i, I know it's kind of making a little resurgence for with these like you know people like that old style film thing but yeah. Um, you know, like it's, it, it, that's a really interesting thing to, to go into, especially as a young man, just sort of, so, so then what, what were you doing with music then? Were you in Salt Lake City? Were you singing? Cause you have a, first of all, you have a, a hell of a voice and you got great control. I, I like to watch your mouth move and, and I'm not shitting on you at all. I like to watch the control you have over your mouth because you create such a big sound and uh you have you know you have a big push and so i like to watch i like to watch your mouth because it moves so so intricately and and great it's like it's like watching a great jazz guitarist and watching his fingers move you know what i mean do do you get what i'm saying like you just just i love i always get mesmerized by really good players and people who have like a really good control over their instrument and it's probably because i don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh it it uh it, i always get mesmerized by that kind of thing but you know what were you doing i mean like what did you always have that big verbose that big voice the the ah i always kind of suppressed that and i never i wasn't able to really 
sing and play the guitar until uh, about until about a year, two years after high school. Or, or, wait a minute. No, it was about a year after. A year right before I went to the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. Shit, no, that's not true. Either. I'm trying to think of when I David. actually started singing and playing the guitar because it was it was so hard. I, I remember one day I sat down and I just I just tried for like eight hours just to try to to because I had a guitar part written down and I had a melody that I wanted to sing over it and I was like, man, that I can't I can't have someone else play my guitar part because they don't feel it like I do. And I want to be able to feel the guitar and sing over it and combine these two. So I just sat down and I like, I, I, I played until I did it. And I think that was 2008 or 2009. Um, 2009 is when it was actually. Because that's when, it was around the same year that I did the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. And uh, I had a Roland VS2400 recording studio that I, that I, uh, that I was, uh, I, I ended up getting and putting the guitar down first and then doing the vocal over it to see how that would sound. And then I would combine them both. Like, it's, it's kind of like tuning an instrument, like, but like tuning <laughs> myself into being able to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Try to explain because it's like, but I, I was never able to just project. And, and even when I did first start singing, um, it took me a while, and, I, and honestly, there was one time that I had done like it was like a program psilocybin ceremony where I had just I really was feeling my guitar, and I just <sighs> like it just came out like just boom! It was like whoa, that was amazing! Like, and then I got like the feeling like it's kind of like where. If you see someone that's like thirty feet away in a field, and you're in your and there's a whole bunch of like, like let's say there's a whole bunch of like uh, cars driving by, and it's really loud, and you're like trying to get a hold of that person. Let's let's say there's like a mountain lion running by that person that's thirty feet away, and they can't hear you. So how are you gonna like reach that person? Like that that type of projection, like hey, <laughs> like like deep in your chest, like. And so it's like you do that even – you project that way even when you're singing quietly. Mm. It, it, it's like you try to project no matter – it's so weird to try to explain it. The way that I had learned how to project that way and then being able to, to, to play the guitar and do it at the same time, then being able to control the volume, like the projection of the voice with the 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 level of the guitar and then being able to – it's weird to try to explain it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to find a balance between the both. Where you want to, where when you want to, like, express yourself, maybe a little bit more louder, and it's like balancing the volume between your guitar and your voice, and and actually having your brain doing these two different mechanical things at once is also you're trying to get the you know your hands and your fingers to do the frets but then you're trying to get your diaphragm and your and your vocal cords to sort of do that their thing and you're and meanwhile you got to remember the words you're remembering where your hands go 
there was a lot that involved with doing that. It took me a long time to do it too, and I still am awful at it. But it's just you know, it it, <laughs> it does take some time. It takes timing is weird as well. It's just a, it's a it's a weird thing to wrap your head around. So so you, you came to you came to find your like loud yelling, your loud verbal because you said something where it's like this. You should be you're you're kind of doing the same technique whether you're projecting or whether you're singing something lightly. It's sort of a, a control thing, right? And it's not yeah, yeah. it's not about <clears throat> um I, I can't explain my wife's a vocal coach, so or vocal teacher, so like I, I got a little insight on this, but when you're pushing out and uh and you're making noises, it's like you're not you're not trying to push out through your throat or through you know, it, it's supposed to come from your your diaphragm, from your stomach. And um, one of the things that I practice while I meditate is belly breathing because I'm trying to be a better singer. So I, I kind of get what you're saying when when you're pushing out, you want to be this concise and 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 even sort of push. And whether you're yelling or 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 you're or you're um, or you're 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 singing quietly, you still want this even push that sort of comes out naturally and evenly throughout which i'm doing a bad a bad job of explaining hey, all of this all you're of good. this i sound like i feel like i sound like an idiot talking so let's not. oh you're good brother no like like uh with everything with 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 vocal technique when i i want it to be the same vibration even so i want people to feel the same vibe of the entire song if I am quiet or I'm projecting loud. So for for instance, that From the Sun song off of like the Resurrecting the Mind, it starts off like, You're taking nothing at all from me and you're learning to fall. Even though I'm like singing quietly, I'm projecting with that. Uh, so, there's, so there's actually a vibe behind that quietness. And then when I scream, like, you waking up in the sun, it's the same vibe, the same intensity in here. But it's weird to try to explain this. Like, it's the same flow of energy that I'm putting when I'm singing that than when I'm, you've taken nothing at all. you waking up in the sun. It's the exact same vibration even though it sounds like i'm screaming at one point i'm not i'm keeping it at the same level the same vibe throughout the entire thing and that's that's what it took me forever to be able to fine tune while playing the guitar and, and doing all that i got into this to do to do music to like play music and write music but turns out that it's like four-fifths business and one-fifth <laughs> playing the guitar and writing music and then so I've had to do my own web design. I do all my own web design. I do all my own. I I'm my own cinematographer, my my video editor, uh, director, producer, um, promoter, manager, marketer. I do everything, and it's it's gone to a point where it's like, man, it's. I kind of want to just play music. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. No, and, and the, there's some really key behind what you just said. There is the fact that we're, we're the way the music industry works right now is like you're in your best interest. It's in your best interest to be able to handle as many things as possible on your own. Uh, and if you are looking to go find a label, which I don't even know why people want labels now, other than they want more money to be pushed would, and further. But, label, even, it's not even that you get 
well, you would get money, but the but I'm just saying, I'm saying like they put more money behind marketing is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah not yeah. not in your pocket because they definitely but, don't put the money in your pocket. It's it's they put it in 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 the old music industry. Exactly. They put it in a machine that's dying. They that like for instance, I know a guy who's like the CEO of Radio Contraband or like the rock guy who does the rock radio convention every year. And I was like, man, I got the Here Comes the Rain Again cover song. Like, how do I do this? He's like, well, to promote that to radio, you're going to need at least $50,000. I was like, what? And he's like, just for that one song. Mm. And I was like, man, that's ridiculous. And then you got the new industry where you can take that $50,000 and invest it in yourself and do Spotify ads and you run Facebook ads, Instagram story ads, and you can start blowing up your audience. And you don't – it'll get to the point where you get so big on Spotify – that you start charting on Billboard, and then you got people that are like, "Oh, why haven't we been playing this alternative rock band that's that's got millions and millions of streams right now? Like, what what the hell are we doing?" And then that's the point where it's like, you don't need to pay fifty thousand dollars to have radio. At that point, you paid ten thousand, and you've gotten to the point where radios are actually begging you to put it on their stations so they can get better reviews and ratings. So it's like the old music industry is it's an illusion. It's it's like you're supposed to go out there and play so many shows until you get noticed, and you're just supposed to keep putting out new music and and just keep doing shows and keep playing. But you need a publicist. You need a website. You need music videos. You need everything. So I basically, everything that a record label has and does, I do. I have my own. I have Tones After Dark Publishing LLC that I started. That I, I'm my own publicist on ASCAP. I have a Dead Desire LLC, which I started. I have Subtle Sound Productions LLC, which is my video production company where I do all my own music videos that I've started. Um, I, I literally do everything that a record label does. And the last thing that I was that I was lacking was marketing and promotion because I just didn't know how to do it. And just this last month, I, I bought a $1,000 program um, that, that's been walking me through um, – the business manager on Facebook and and, and uh, goes through in depth about the Facebook pixel and how to set it up, how to do conversions, how to target. It teaches everything about like like just everything about the business marketing part of Facebook. <clears throat> and I started implementing that on the 16th of November, and I've already got I've literally tripled my um, Spotify followers since the 16th of November. I've um, gotten over 220 subscribers on YouTube, over 522 hours of watch time on YouTube, over 700 new followers on Instagram, over 300 page likes on on my A Dead Desires Facebook band page. I mean, the results, they're just skyrocketing right now. Mm. And um, that was the last thing that I needed. And so now at this point, I... It's, I'm just waiting to get to the point where I, I I make so much noise with the numbers that people from radio stations start hitting me up where I no longer need to be solicited. At that point, I, I will be solicited because it's like, oh, look at how many millions of streams this person has. Can we play you? It'll get to the point where I can call the radio station and say, hey, this is Marnie So from A Dead Desire. Oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm working with this band. And, you know, I started my own record label because I have everything the record label does. All I need is one more band or an LLC that's another band that I can combine and I can make a record label. Mm. And then just be like, well, I'm working with this band. Really good. You should check this out. 
So they listen to it. At that point, that that new band is no longer unsolicited. It's solicited because the, the radio station knows me. Mm. I'll be able to recommend it. Hey, you should listen to it, and if it's good, you should play it. At that point, I can do that to every radio station. So that's why when I go to the rock radio convention, there's a lot of record labels that don't really like talking to me anymore. <laughs> As I had the opportunity, I've had I have the opportunity to get signed. But at this point, I was talking to my buddy Steve, and he's like, "Well, why would you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to do that? You have your own publishing company. You have your own music. You do your own music videos. You have complete creative control. You own the masters. You own the copyrights to literally everything. If you were to get signed." You would literally give up immediately. You would give up 50% of all of your rights to publishing to their publicist. Then you got 20 to 25% that they would take for the manager. Then you'd get 10% for the record label or 15% depending on how generous they feel. <laughs> By the end of it, you're, you're, you're stuck with anywhere from 10 to 15% of what you're making. And so all those millions and millions of dollars are being made by the record label. Yeah, the musicians still... They live the high life. They're like, yeah, look how much we're getting paid. But it's like on the back end, it's like, look how much you're getting screwed out of. Right. Because you're only getting 10% of what you're earning. Yeah. You know, like it's it's ridiculous. So I've, I've veered away from the whole, oh, I need to get a record deal. And so I, I found out how to market, and I'm really excited. I got um, – just last week I, I sold – 3.33% of a dead desire, um, the equity of a dead desire for $10,000. So I was able to um, start marketing. So 3.33% doesn't really seem like that much, but it's actually extremely generous yeah. because if there's, I, I never knew, knew who Brantley Gilbert was, but apparently he's like a country singer. And I know the stage tech for Godsmack and Corn and, whole bunch of really big bands and we've hung out several times and while i'm talking to him he was telling me he's told me several times about this story with brantley gilbert where he was really open about his finances with him and he was like well i he's telling him that for every 50 to 60 thousand person stadium that he sells out depending on the demographic depending on where it is he makes 13 to 19 million dollars per show so if you were to look at that and let's just say for, for to make it easy, let's just say $10 million. If I were to get $10 million for a show, 3.33%, what is that? Isn't that like, isn't that like, it's either 33,333 or 333,333. It's, it's one of the two, but uh, it's a lot of money. I can't remember. I can't do it. I'm terrible at math. <laughs> well, let, me, let me see here. I'll do $10 million. Let me see. $10 million. And then you go times... Point zero three three three. Yeah, three hundred thirty three thousand dollars. So for one show, that investor is gonna. If I got paid ten million dollars for one show, that investor would make three hundred thirty three thousand dollars. Mm. That's good investment. That's a good return on investment for ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So like, it was pretty easy to get that, especially where it's like, uh. You know, I own all the, the – the money isn't even in touring. The money is in licensing and getting TV commercial placements and, and movie deals and video game placements because it's $250 a minute for the music that's streamed. That's just for the music that's streamed. So if you got a car commercial, let's say you got a car commercial that's 30 seconds long and you got a publishing deal, for like a licensing deal, and you have – 
what, just to put this into perspective, we'll start with one TV station. He plays your 30-second car commercial 20 times in a 24-hour period. So that's 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's 10 minutes in a 24-hour period. You get paid $2,500 for that one station. So let's say that there's 10 stations in a day that's playing that car commercial 20 times. That's $25,000 in one day. Yeah. You times that by 30, that's $750,000 for one month. You times that by three because they pay you out quarterly. That's $2,250,000 that you'd get paid for a 30-second car commercial. Right. And it's, it's crazy, man. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I, I kind of want to back up a minute because you're, when, when you're talking about investments and you're talking about, you know, someone you're giving 3.33%. And, I mean, you're, but, but you have to get that $10 million first. That's the thing. That's the hard part, right, is finding that, that gig. Where's that gig? How do people the get reason, that? The reason why I borrow the 10000 is because if, if, if so far I have spent – since I started the the ads on the 16th of November, I've I've spent $1,000 and I've reached over 1.6 million people and had over 9,000 engagements. Mm-hmm. I've collected over 100 emails from people that actually love my music. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've set up a funnel basically where there's three steps of friction that they have to go through in order to download the song. So I've gotten over 100 people that have taken the three steps of friction, which is putting in their first name and their email. And then they have to connect to Spotify and follow my artist profile and a playlist that I started, and then they get to download the song. And I've had over 100 people do that already. Mm-hmm. So when I get my shop on my website up and running, which it's, it's accepting PayPal right now only, but uh, you get on there and I can literally send the link to my shop to all those 100 diehard fans and be like, hey, I thank you, because they have to give me their first name. I can say, hey... Yeah, uh, you know, hey Julie, my name is Maroni Silva from A Dead Desire. I wanted to personally thank you for downloading the Vanity song. Here's a link to my store on the website. You know, just wanted to let you know it's up and running. Just give it a ch- uh, check it out and let me know what you think. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and at that point, these are people that already love your music. So the chances of them buying something from your website at that point are extremely high. Yeah. So what I, I'm working on doing right now. Um, I was actually going to try to head out around 12.30 was to get um, the website. I'm working on getting PayPal merchant services to accept debit and credit cards on my website. That's the only thing that's not working. Mm. You can have a PayPal account. You can log in. You can check out and everything. But you go to, a, to click on debit or credit card, and it, it gives me the weirdest error. It just says things don't appear to be working right now. That's all it says. It's just <laughs> Tech, dude. Tech. Yeah, it's fucking like, tech, man. It doesn't even say contact this for support or yeah. what to do. It just says, "Oh, look at that. This thing's just don't so, appear to be working." So I'm sorry to interrupt there, but so so then you got about ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, then I would love for you in the last ten minutes to kind of talk about uh, your because um, I had. <laughs> I guess we got too much into the music, but I, I loved your your latest video that you have, Mantra, and you put something at the beginning of that about um, you know Navajo Nation and um, you know the what COVID's been doing to them, uh, to to the these you know the these sovereign people, and I, I you know I, I was just wondering how much you knew about because I, I really don't know what's going on within these communities and uh, you know there's a lot of things that are going unreported right now and there's a lot of fallout from this whole COVID um, 
situation. So I'm just curious on what you what what you know uh, about what's going on in these communities due to COVID. Some of those reservations, like as you're going on the the interstate, they have the exits completely blocked off because mm-hmm. of how bad it was apparently. And um, a, a, a good friend of mine, his name's Terry, was telling me he's a trucker, and he was telling me like, "Hey, man, does uh, the Navajo Nation right now really, really need some help?" Um, and and it's funny because he was telling me about this, and and all of a sudden I got this. Thing from pandos.org the same day he was telling me about this this guy's like hey yeah we're looking to do this thing to raise awareness for uh, the native american the, the navajo and the 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 surrounding tribes and i was like okay yeah i'm, I'm totally down to help and so they'd asked to do a music uh, like a video of me performing a song and i was like well that's perfect because i just recorded this mantra song in the studio and i had the video up because i wanted to have footage of me being in the studio recording the thunder rolling down the mountain album Hmm. and uh, i mean the way that it all fits in it's a really really mind-blowing situation because the thunder rolling down the mountain album the cover of it is Chief Joseph. Uh, it's him split in half on both sides. And Thunder Rolling Down the Mountain is actually Chief Joseph's Native American name. It's the um, it's the um, the English translation of what his name meant. Mm. So his name was actually Thunder Rolling Down the Mountain. That's and sad. so I named my album after him. And the whole album has got this spiritual... Um, kind of like a native a native type feel and it's from the last few ceremonies the ayahuasca ceremonies that i had been to were so powerful like I, I, yeah they're they were insane they're really really beautiful like so you do this you do the ayahuasca thing you do that uh, regular regularly you didn't just do it once you you continue uh, I've, been to, I've been i've been to about 30 ayahuasca ceremonies and i've been to volunteer at about 10 of those wow I've gone to about 20 of them to attend. So what but, kind of, what what's kind of going on within these communities? Do you know what's sort of how they're being affected right now? The, uh, oh, the, Cause the, the or? yeah, yeah. Cause you, cause just because you wrote that thing at the beginning of the video for mantra. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, just, my, my uh, friend Terry was saying, cause he's, he's, he's native and he, he was saying how bad it is. And there's a lot of people that are dying on the reservations. Mm. To the to what extent I don't know because they have everything blocked off. Yeah. So like he can't he can't even take those exits even though like he's native they won't let him go. There. Oh wow. Oh I see. So they they blocked nobody's allowed in or or out. Is that... I had heard that's what it was. Ah, he I said see. that he, he. Yeah. I don't I don't know I don't know anybody on the reservations that I could contact and be like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey, what, how's your day going, bud? Yeah. yeah no, no, I got you. I got you. I was just curious. I was just curious. Uh, I, we're kind of running low on time here, so I'd love for you to give us your experience because you were, uh, you know, addicted to opiates for so long. Uh, can you kind of give us a run-through of your experience um, getting off of heroin? Oh, it was brutal. I bet. Uh, yeah, mine was too. It was not. It's not fun. <laughs> I wouldn't wish that kind of pain on anybody. But yeah, I, I ended up going on. Uh, I got arrested on March fourth of twenty fifteen. Um, I had heroin on me, and 
I was in jail for about two and a half days, and my delirium tremors and my withdrawals were so bad that I I I was I felt like I was dying, yeah. <laughs> and so I like had finally got a hold of my father from the jail, and I like begged him to come and get me, and I had to tell him what was going on, and super pissed off, and uh, and uh, yeah, like I uh my withdrawals were so brutal. Like uh, my, my father took me to his place um, out in Trenton and basically locked me in the attic, took away my phone and he literally like basically locked me in the attic. Like, wow. You clean out from that shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Wow. And so I did. And, but I still had the cravings and the triggers and stuff. So like, and, and triggers for me were really bad. So like the sound of the snow falling, um, that soft little, yeah, it was like a gentle sound that you can hear. That was a trigger for me. The the cold, crisp air in the wintertime where you go outside and your your nostrils smell that brisk, cold morning air. That was a trigger. Uh-huh. Uh, there's so many triggers that are just like daily life things that like you go out and it's like, man, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I went. Uh, uh, my buddy Omar at the end of March told me I went to an open mic thing at the Royal where Royal bliss. Yeah. I played there. Yeah. The Royal, I, I uh, went to an open mic night there and my buddy Omar from my first band was there and he's like, Hey man, you know, I heard about your struggle. I'm really glad that you're getting off that shit. And he's like, there's a ayahuasca. Um, there's a, no, he he didn't say it. He said, there's a spiritual, um, what did he say? He's like, there's there's a spiritual gathering. No, a spiritual retreat. He's like, there's a spiritual retreat that I was going to go to at the end of April that I that I thought would really help out with your addiction. And I was like, well, what is it? And he's like, it's an ayahuasca ceremony. I was like, I'm so down. Because I, I had researched how to get rid of these triggers. Because I I'd just met Steve Walker, the CEO of Radio Contraband, and he said that he'd be willing to work with me in the music industry. But if I were to relapse, he would never work with me ever again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, there's only a month being clean. I don't want to risk this. So I went right. to, the, to the ayahuasca ceremony and I did the steps completely. I did the follow the diet to a T. I fasted for 72 hours. I, I did just everything that I was supposed to do, like a T. And it was such a profound ceremony. There was like a dead body, like literally to my left on the ground. I looked down. And I was like, who is that? Oh, my God. And it was me. Like you could see my skin was gray and decomposing and falling off my skull and my clothes were covered in dust and they were like tattered and withered. And I felt like I was part of the earth. <laughs> and I was like, I was so terrified. I felt like I was having a heart attack. And I, I realized I was holding my breath. And right when I was about to leave my body, I guess you'd say, because I, I, I felt like I was dying. Right when it felt like I was about to leave my body in the center of my forehead, this rose like blossomed open and it just continually kept blossom blossoming and this this light being with like these wings like came out and he's like you need to breathe and i was like oh what's going on am i dead and he's like no no you're not dead but this is this is your addiction to heroin and opiates dying but it's the exact same thing that'll happen to you if you choose to use any of those willingly ever again wow and i was like oh my gosh so that's when it was the desire to use heroin and opiates was completely dead, a dead desire. That's where that spawned from. And there you go. 
Marone, I, I appreciate your time, man. I'm so sorry that we ruined like 20 minutes of it just trying to, just me fucking off. But uh, no, you're good, man. You're good. I definitely appreciate you pushing it, and uh, I, I appreciate your time today, man. And um, uh, I look forward to whatever you come up with next, man. You have, you definitely have a, a sound, and I love that you do it all yourself. And <laughs> I love that DIY punk rock kind of mentality about it. I got the same thing too, man. I, do do my own videos do all my own shit so you got a christmas song coming out on the 14th of december (laughs) same old song and then i got um from i got the thunder rolling down the mountain album that's i'm releasing a single off of that the hollow single in january and then may i'm releasing the full acoustic album the studio album that i've been working on Right on, man. Well, I appreciate your time. And how can, uh, and you can find, I, I put the a deaddesire.com in the chat if you guys want to uh, click on that. Go ahead and do that. I'll also put uh, a dead, I'll put the website and everything in the show notes. So anybody listening, go and click on that and get yourself some a dead desire. Okay. Moroni. On Spotify too, that would help out. Yes, please. I, I have, I have a. Oh, it's your YouTube. My bad. I didn't put your Spotify link in the chat, but the YouTube is there. But I'll put a Spotify link in the show notes so when people go and click on it, they'll take you right there. Moroni Silva, thank you so much. You have a wonderful rest of your day, and I hope uh, you get a lot of marketing done. Thank you, brother. I greatly appreciate it, man. You have a good one. No worries. Have a good one, bro. All right, bye. Peace. Thank you so much, Moroni. I I truly appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story with us. uh, I'm sorry there was so much technical BS that had to go down at the beginning there, but uh, we locked in and I enjoyed my conversation with Moroni Silver of A Dead Desire. Again, go check out his website, adeaddesire.com. And he has some new music coming, so please go in the show notes and click around on the links and uh, and give him some love. I put a Spotify link in there too to his music uh, because I just yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about taking a new direction with the show. I know, yeah, another direction, but it's not going to be that big of a deal, honestly. Um, I'm thinking. So I've been getting so many DCMA, um, which is a uh, what is that? It's, uh, I can't remember what it stands for. Basically, copyright infringement. Uh, YouTube keeps on demonetizing my videos, which I'm not making any money on YouTube anyway, so who gives a shit? But also, they uh, it bothers me because Twitch is breaking down, like coming down hard, and especially with censorship, they're coming down with this DCMA stuff. So um, I'm going to... I, I, I see where this is all going, and I have about 300 shows on this podcast feed, and lots of them have music. Now, I try really hard to make sure that it's indie music and it's underground music, but the way things are working right now with uh, with the, with uh, with people, I mean, you can have a BMI account or a uh, uh, an ASCAP account, 
and they will collect royalties and and they kind of help with that you know uh, using copyrighted music and even if you're an indie artist and you put your music on uh, Spotify that sort of counts these days so at any moment one of my tracks could be one of my podcasts could be ping and so i'm thinking maybe we won't be playing music on the show anymore other than maybe live stuff you know maybe something live from a uh, uh from a stream from a music stream or something like that but other than that i'm thinking it's probably best to stop uh playing music uh, from other people and which is a real big bummer because i really love that aspect of the show and I really liked having an opening song, so maybe we'll keep doing it, but I just, I'm seeing the writing on the wall, and when you look around to these other podcasters who, I mean, they generally don't, I mean, I've known this for years, I mean, this has been coming, so I'm thinking maybe that we won't be playing music, I'm not sure, I really, really like how, it, the, I like that opening with music from our guest or from uh, featured uh, artists that I like. I just like. I, I just think it's a great way to uh, to show love to the music community who comes, especially the people who've been on the show and who give their time to the the podcast. And uh, that means a lot to me. So I always try to show love, uh, whether it's through Facebook or you know just sharing people's posts, especially especially people who've been on the show. Um, you know, I, I try to support them even beyond the show because. I mean, I just super duper appreciate the people who come on the show because when I have people on the show, it's because I respect what they do and, uh, you know, and I only want to see them succeed further. But uh, unfortunately, the way things are going, you know, people want to get paid and that's that's completely OK. Why not? You know, why? Wh- I'm a musician. I understand. It's like I-, I need to get paid. This is a rough time right now and uh, uh, people want to get paid for the songs that are being played and being used in different places and i i I get it so i don't know we'll we'll see what happens maybe i'm just blowing hot air maybe i shouldn't even say all this maybe i'm talking (laughs) the horror show into existence because i I honestly feel like i'm gonna have to go there's gonna be a day where i have to go through or or other or, or or even worse there's gonna be a day when they just shut down the feed because I have all this music. Now, here's the thing: I've gotten permission from the artist to use their music, but we've talked about it on the show a lot about how artists that'll use their own music will get demonetized because you know they'll get pinged with their own music, so they don't even have the rights to their own music. So we're in a weird, weird time right now where. You know, uh, we're, we're trying to figure out how to fairly distribute music, fairly how, how people can fairly get paid. And I mean, when you look at the trajectory, that just it just seems like the value of music and, and I mean, just monetarily, it just keeps going down and down and down. And now, you know, when you hear these stories of, of you know, my two million streams got me like 200 bucks or something, it, it just is, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I think. I think you need more. Those numbers are just completely made up, but you understand what I'm saying. So at a time where we are trying to figure out how human and humans and and digital technology are going to coexist and probably merge eventually, but we got to figure out how um, tech, how to catch up with technology with our laws. 
and uh, I, I don't know how that's going to happen. It's just such a clusterfuck right now uh, when you look around what's happening with freedom of speech and all that stuff because, oh my God, I, I you know, I, I really do think that we need to hold on to our freedoms of our freedom of speech because it's a it's pretty important to be able to speak out against power especially when there's an abuse of power and i know that a lot of people are cheering on this whole like deplatforming of our president and uh but they i feel like people don't stop and think about the pendulum swinging back the other way coming for them and, uh, you know, I, I'm not sitting here, I'm not going to die on a hill for uh, uh, freedom of speech in the sense of, like, you know, neo-Nazis. I, I'm not I'm not supporting them. They don't give a fuck about me or my family. They, they hate me and my family and what we represent. So I don't care. But I do care about the idea of being able to express yourself freely without being, um, you know, persecuted. But the way things are going, it's looking like our corporate overlords will be doing all the all the censoring and the government can sort of just sit back and be like they're a private company what can we do what can we do and really what can the government do i mean if you if we're talking about you know the true principles of uh, you know the, the freedom to operate a business the way you want and you can you can refuse business you know if you don't want to sell to somebody if you don't want someone on your platform you can kick them off but it's insane to think that now that now they can just unanimously destroy you destroy your entire app destroy your entire company take the servers away drop the apps from the app store meanwhile they're sitting here you know just fucking taking our data and using it to, to sell more shit to us and and just selling our information to god knows who and god knows where and god knows what so you know it, it, it's kind of getting a little crazy it's kind of seeming like um tech companies want free reign to do whatever they want to make as much money as they need to be unimpeded as much as possible and to make sure that there's enough control to make sure that it keeps going and and keeps the, keeps the money flow rolling so i that's i mean that's what it looks like i don't know if that's true of course <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to spread conspiracies or anything, but it does seem, it, it does look like if, if you were looking at it from an outside perspective, it does look like there's kind of a plan here being implemented. But, of course, I'm just some chubby guy in Ohio talking into a microphone. So, all right, guys. Well, that's enough rambling. I think I'm, I'm, I'm just getting worried about what's going on and what's going to come next. So... Uh, there's just a lot of coming down and censorship and, and just DACMAs and, and just people telling you what you can do and getting banned and deplatformed. It's just, it's a lot. So uh, let's hope that we can go forward with rationality as a, as a people, as a society. Let's, let's just put our, our best hope and faith that we can come to some sort of agreement that doesn't infringe on people's just rights to express themselves within reason i guess whatever that means how do you do that how do you do that how do you do it without uh infringing on people on on, on people's you know on their 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 american rights anyways all right guys 
Be good to your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. I hope you guys are being well. I know, I know this is just stretching on this pandemic started to get to some people. I mean, I mean, it's been getting to people, but you know, I get it. It's, it's starting to weigh in. So I hope you guys are hanging in there. And just remember to try to be nice to one another. I'm trying to do that better too. I'm trying to make eye contact with people. Ugh, I just don't want to go to the store and make eye contact with people or talk to people. Is uh, we got to we got we got to come out of our cocoons, folks. We got to say hi to one another. We got to find a way to be nice and agree. So let's try it. All right, let's try it. Be good to one another. H chase for everybody. All right, we'll see you guys next week with James Bradley Jr.